Hey everybody, this is Richard from the Metal Cell Podcast. First of all, I want to give a shout out to our main sponsors, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. If you're around Cork, do drop in for a pint of some lovely beer. I'm delighted to welcome Dola Toomey from Safe Gigs Ireland. How are you, Dola? All good. Thrilled to be here with you guys. Yeah, likewise. I'm welcoming Kira from Relapse Promotions. Hi. Thanks for joining us, Kira. Danielle from the Metal Cell Forums. Thanks for joining us, Danielle. Thanks, Richie. Yeah. And Letty, uh, who is a new member of the Metal Cell family. So Letty has joined us as well. Letty would have done independent interviews with bands throughout the last two or three years. Yeah, we have a good lineup tonight, Dola. Brilliant. Yeah. Evan was supposed to be here, but I think, Kerry, you're more or less representing Evan, as far <laughs> as I can figure out anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have a promoter on board anyway for the podcast. So that's great. First of all, the reason we're doing this show tonight is about promoting safe gigs in Ireland. Dola, you might just tell us a brief background story to yourself, maybe, and how you got involved and how it's after slowly mushrooming around a few different countries, even I would say at this stage. Happy to do that. Let's yeah. see if you can shut me up when the time comes. OK, I'll do my best. <laughs> My background and the background of the people involved in safe gigs is we're working in the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork, or the Rape Crisis Centre as it's known. So we get to see, let's say, the worst kind of stuff that can other people can do to people. And it's not necessarily that gigs or festivals or things like that are actually, let's say, the worst offenders, because they're not. 80% of people are actually assaulted by people that they actually know. But we were coming across a lot of that, and we were coming across a lot of spiking incidents, and we were coming across the whole reality of microaggressions, basically people acting the maggot, Mm -hmm. is the way that I put it. And shortly before COVID, group of students actually said to us, look, we're putting on a gig and part of the gig is that we need to put something in place for the punters. Is there anything you have that we can use? And all we could do was say, there's not. I wish somebody would do it. Okay. And then there was a little pause and we kind of decided among ourselves, we better do it. And that's how Safe Gigs was actually born and got to develop all over COVID. We got to talk to people all around the country, people all around Europe, in the States, in Australia, who were addressing the very same problems. Um, And what we did was we worked on a charter very collaboratively. And the idea was that People, gigs, venues, promoters would actually sign up to this charter and implement it. And hey, presto, everybody would actually have a good night out. Staff would be treated properly. Punters would be treated with dignity and respect. It would just be great for everyone and good for business. Um At the same time, the Department of Justice here are looking at the licensing laws. And they had actually come up with the notion of putting a form of a charter into the new licensing laws that are coming down the tracks. And they're actually going to bring something like this on board 
by next summer. Wow. Progress, finally. OK, lads, um, yeah. I'll open it up to you all. Yeah, I suppose, um, Dola, like in terms of um, gigs themselves, like would you actively be going to gigs and, and promoting um, safe gigs your, uh, yourselves? Yeah, what we actually do is when we're invited and only when we're invited, we will actually go to the gigs. We'll have a, a presence there. And it's actually like being really saying we want everybody to have a good time, everybody to be treated properly. So when, when we're asked either by an artist or a venue or a promoter, then we'll go anywhere to actually be there and back that up. So we've done some huge stuff and some littler stuff and really, really happy to to do that. Okay. Fantastic. And what kind of response do you get then from, from people at gigs? Well, sometimes people couldn't care less what we're doing, which is great because they're kind of enjoying themselves but we have a lot of support on the on the ground as a matter of fact what i prefer doing most and we've been doing it for the past year is bands starting out no matter what kind of part of the spectrum they're on or promoters starting out are actually coming along say hey you know we want to do things a bit differently we actually want to run really good gigs, really good shows, things that can really last into the future. Um, and I just love working with, with those guys. If, say, a promoter or a venue want to sign up for safe gigs, so what's expected of them? When we started out, we actually thought that that's what we would actually be doing. Mm-hmm. But with the new charter coming out with the licensing laws. Okay. We're actually holding back okay. on that. But what that charter is actually about is it's actually a duty of care towards people. Yeah. So uh, the way that I look at it is if you put on a gig or an event, you're like a host. These are like people coming to your your house, your party, doesn't matter how many people are there. And you have to think through how do you actually mind them? Mm. Work out the things that can happen, might happen, and what you're going to do. And that whole thinking, that duty of care, isn't really anywhere in the industry right now. They haven't picked up on it. Uh, when did you actually make the charter? Because um, I'm just wondering if uh, the Travis Scott incident that happened last year had an impact on it. The, the thing is that there's, there are incidents all over the place. Um, and they've been happening for a long, long time. Um, and we're not the only people working on this in the country. People are working on different angles and different aspects because um, the culture needs to change, really. You just need to do things better. So we started working on it just as COVID hit, and we still call it a draft one, because when the final one comes out from the Department of Justice, we'll work with that one. Okay. Un- unless it's not good enough, and then we'll trash it. But 
you know, we'll work with that one. But it's kind of like part of the big Me Too movement. This maggoty behavior, harassment, all kinds of stuff happens in all sectors, all industries. But it really seems to be allowed in the music, in the entertainment, in the creative arts sector. So we're just building on what other people have done. And the common of forms the of discrimination, Dola, that you would would regularly pop up would be what? Oh, um, we've got amazing tote bags. I don't have any here. I wish I did, because it's like our mini charter. And it right. literally says no sexism, no homophobia, no transphobia, no racism no discrimination, no, literally no to any kind of just bad, unacceptable behavior. And that idea of zero tolerance. So if you have the rules for your gig and somebody breaches that, you just kick them out, you know. Mm. Um, and there's also a whole bystander element to it that as soon as we really begin to do this, we can help each other call it out. Yeah, yeah. Bystanders, that's an interesting one, because is there any way to prepare yourself for witnessing a sexual attack or um, an assault on somebody? It's down to the individual, but I'm sure that if it's printed in, in an A4 page by a promoter or something like that, how to report it. And if you are a bystander and you actually see this, I would say maybe the first thing you do as a bystander and everybody has a phone is just film it, you know, and try and catch the perpetrator on camera. But I mean, that brings its own dilemma then as well. But it is actually one of the things that you can do if you witness somebody mm. being harassed or assaulted in any way, because that they may actually want that recording. That may actually be great. But if you look at what I'm talking about, changing the culture, let's just say you're in a club, okay? Mm-hmm. And the club is one of those places that nothing happens in our venue. I want to go there. I mean, because it's people do things, you know, not a venue. The culture is you don't see anything and you don't hear anything. And yeah. if you try and do anything, you're on your own. But If you're in a situation where the pub or the club is clearly saying, we don't tolerate any of this. And if you see anything, this is what you do. You call security, you call whatever. You're getting the message loud and clear that they actually, they're allowing you to actually be an active bystander and they'll actually, they want to hear from you. It's not about being a hero. It's about being supported. Yeah. You know, so like I've talked to loads of people who work in pubs or clubs and they see things all the time. And their hands are tied because there's nothing that they can do unless there's the support of their management and the owners and the place itself. Mm-hmm. So it's a totally collective thing that we need to do, but we need to be safe in doing it. And actually permitted to permitted to do it. Yeah, Kara, I'd like to hear your views on that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely think um, 
kind of giving people support that they want to be heard from um, by the venue is definitely um, a really good idea because like venues can be very complacent. Like um, I w- when I was asked to go on this podcast, I did ask some friends and um, the other people I work with in relapse for kind of anecdotes or like their own perspectives on the situation. And one of my friends from Dublin um, was at a venue in Dublin one night and ran into a girl in the bathroom who had been spiked with some form of psychedelic. She was freaking out, crying. And my friend was familiar to the owner of the venue. And when she went up to tell him what had happened, he was like, sure, what can I do? I'm behind the bar, which is just absolutely disgraceful. So what Dola was saying there with venues actually like having a plan in place, if something like that were to happen, I I think that's essential. I don't even think that's a good idea. I think it's essential. Like, I think it's something every venue could implement to kind of just ensure like literally that the environment is safer. Mm. Um, Because I do feel like as well, probably people do feel like they're either not going to be listened to if they help out or they could be putting themselves in danger as well. So knowing that the venue is on your side is really good motivation to kind of step in, I think. It has to be on your side. Otherwise, you're you're on your own. And the thing about spiking, we're huge into that because we had this thing on our, our website. It's a spiking hub where we were actually we gather people's experiences of being spiked because it's so underreported. It's unbelievable. And we really need the information so we can say, guys, there's way more of this going on than is officially being reported. But spiking is a real thing where victim blaming is way up there. It's like people spike themselves. Seriously? Yeah. No way. So actually, we're hoping to, um, apart from the spiking hub, and I'd love if you all check that up and kind of promoted that out. Mm-hmm. But we're hoping to do set up a pilot and we start it here in Cork where people can actually get tested. Because right now, if you think you've been spiked, there's no way you can be tested to find out what's in your body. Okay. You know, it's that it's that cruel. Like you lose hours, you could lose days, and you don't know what's going down. So we're hoping to get a kind of a testing system, and the kits will be in pubs and clubs, so people can at least find out what Bright Spark has actually spiked them with. Mm. So hopefully that'll come on stream fairly soon. So keep an eye out for that, Kira. I actually seen footage of it happening in some nightclub and it was reported and you probably have seen it as well, Dola. Everything stopped. DJ stopped and it was announced straight away through the DJ that there's someone spiking drinks. Mm. And I think it lasted for an hour, hour and a half until they they went through everything and people left and they dealt with the victims and they continued then afterwards. But it was an incredible reaction. Do you know, people were kind of saying it was over the top. I think it was a brilliant reaction. Yeah. yeah. Like, because I actually know so many people who don't go out because they're afraid. No, their fear is disproportionate to the probability that they'll be hurt in some way, but they're too afraid to go out. That's no way to live. So, like that club, 
might look like they lost a lot of money that night, but they will keep having a lot of customers who feel really safe in that yeah. venue. Yeah. And I've seen the venues where people have put stuff like that in place. And, you know, there's nothing better than watching people having a great time. Mm. It's, you know, it would just blow your mind just just watching them. And see, think about people who spike. They're really cowards, you know, but they have no intention of being caught. And if every venue kind of put that focus on it and kind of said, we're not going to tolerate any of this, we're going to keep an eye out for all of this, the world out there would become safer for not just young women or older women, but guys as well. Like, you know, nobody's free from the risk of being spiked. People are being spiked in their local pubs. I don't think we actually have an idea of how common it is. It's uh, scary. It's gotten significantly worse since COVID as well, it seems. It's like, well, I've lived through a few kind of rounds of spiking, becoming fashionable and going back out of fashion. Just as we came out of COVID, it hit the ground running all over Europe. Excuse my ignorance on this now, uh, Dolly might be able to help me. How do they get these spiking tablets? Are they freely available on the internet and that's how they get them? Or is it just drug dealers? It's rohypnol, isn't it? Well, I I don't agree with you on that one. See, we know so little. There's lots of myths. So the myths are rohypnol, ketamine and GHB. In truth, alcohol is one of the most used drugs. Like it's very easy to have four extra shots into a soft drink, you know. But what they're using is they're using whatever is on the streets. Okay. Which is very available, very cheap. And the danger that gets bigger all the time is you don't know what's in it. Mm. Um, so we really don't know, Letty, because there hasn't been enough testing, okay. which makes it yeah. scary, which is why you have the myths then of, oh, you know, there'll be bubbles in your drink. There might be, but chances are they won't be, you know, so. Is there also a tablet that you can put into a drink and it will turn a certain color t- that will warn you that it, it's been spiked? Or is that another myth? Um, those, they do exist, that they exist is not a myth. Okay. Um, and I'd say somebody's making a lot of money on them. Okay, fair enough. But it depends on what's being used. So it's like the, the lab that we're going to go working with to test, they test for three and a half thousand substances. (coughs) Okay. So the problem with something like that tablet is if your drink was spiked by something that that tablet was never designed to pick up, you actually get a false sense of security. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And uh, regarding the spiking, uh, I don't know how well you, the statistics, um, is the needling still as popular or has everyone just gone back to doing the drink? 
That's a really interesting one. Um, I had a few conversation with a um, few medics around Europe who really tested it, this out. And what they're saying is that to really get enough into somebody to incapacitate them, you need a fairly substantial syringe, okay? What I reckon is happening is that people are being spiked, just something in your drink, and you had these maggots going around sticking pinpricks into people as well. Uh, so it's a combination of the two. Yeah. But the thing about the needle is that that needle can be a dirty needle. That can be anything, you know? Yeah. Okay. So um, the four steps then, Dola, if you are spiked or if your friend of yours is spiked? Or... First of all, most people actually know how they react to any alcohol or anything they take. If somebody is reacting out of character or very, very quickly, then something's gone wrong. I mean, yeah. that's just across the board. Yeah. Um, you stick with your friends. So if this looks like it's happening to one of your friends, stick with them. Don't let them drink anymore or take anymore. Call for help. If you're in a venue, get them to take notice. Um, somebody may need to go to the ER because we've no idea what's actually gone into them at that point. And it's also about keeping them safe. Yeah. You know, staying with them. If they don't need to go to an ER and they're kind of doing okay, stay with them, make sure they get home in a taxi. Never leave them alone because that can lead to other problems. That's where the predator stuff comes into play. Okay. Which can happen. It's not a doesn't happen hugely, but it can happen. Mm. Um, then so contact the guardie the next day, is it? Or well, the guardie aren't. According to the guardie, the the their biggest figures is that there was a hundred and twenty cases last year. Which is just that's not which is incorrect. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. not even the tip of the iceberg. We know from the information we get in on our hub that by and large people don't get a great response from the Guardi. Okay. It's considered they they got drunk, they got high, this thing about they spiked themselves. So they don't it, it's a bit of chicken and egg until we can get ahead of it and have the guards stand up and take notice their response isn't going to be right. Like, shouldn't matter whether somebody's taken too much or it's been given to them. If somebody's outside a club, you know, yeah. in court tonight, they need to be minded and taken care of. Mm. Yeah. So we just have so much to do to make to make all those spaces safer for mm. everyone. What about the deterrence, uh, Dola, for a typical nightclub? What can, we'll say, a promoter or the owner do to deter all this happening? Uh, are we talking about CCTV? Yep. Okay. It's a brilliant question because one of the biggest deterrents is actually a venue taking it seriously. Hmm. Like if you get a venue literally meaning it and putting up a sign saying, we don't tolerate spiking here, 
and their CCTV is working and all their staff are told to keep an eye out, people who want to go spiking people will move to another place because they do not want to be caught. Perfect example, there was um, a university ball just earlier on in the summer where they had over a 1,000 students in attendance. The year before, they had a, quite a number of incidents of spiking reported to them. Then you saw nothing. Their cameras were off and all this kind of stuff. So they wanted to do something this year to see if they could do something about it. Between us, we plastered the venue in things like don't spike, right? Which I kind of like, mm. um, because of course it's the people there who would have been spiking and lots of other stuff. And with a thousand students, no incidence of spiking was reported. Right. And it that was that prevention bit. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. kind of saying it's not on. So we can hit this at so many levels. Now, if the venue had done that itself, would not have been amazing. Yeah. Instead, we made it look like the venue did it. Yeah. We'll just maybe talk about training staff to look out for. Obviously, there's spiking involved. There could be possibly areas in in a nightclub in an area that could be perceived as a blind spot that maybe staff members could patrol that area. I mean, again, it's just it's down to the level of staff that you have at your disposal as an owner as well. Or, You know, I think it goes back to commitment. If you've got an owner or a manager who says, I want to run a great ship, I want my staff to be treated properly, all the people who are coming in to be treated properly, and I want all my all the punters to have a great night, then it's just like, you know the way that you have to have a place tested for fire? Mm, Exactly, yeah. So you have to have enough exits. You you have to have the fire things, what do you call them? Extinguishers. Brilliant. You have to have them. They have to be working and your staff have to know how to use them. Now, if you took that mentality to people's welfare, right, and you actually just talk to your staff and say, okay, what kind of things happen here? Because they see everything, right? Yeah. What do you think? Because it's a dialogue. It isn't like, oh, here's a list and off you go. You work it out for each place. And the owner or the manager is serious about this, and they actually talk this out with their staff, they can actually work out exactly what we do if, what we do if, what we do if. Mm. And if that's supported the whole way up and the staff are, you know, trained in it and actually allowed to do it, it's amazing. And, of course, the security staff have to be totally brought into the fray as well. And then you tell... All the artists and all the the public, very publicly, if this happens, do this. If that happens, do this. Yeah, because there is no stereotypical perpetrator. He could be a member of the staff. He could be Mm -hmm. an attendee at the gig. He could be Mm -hmm. um, actually a crew member of the band or in the band themselves. 
Absolutely. Or if you're talking about, let's say, the the audience or the paying public, so-called friends, Mm. you know, because if you could spot the perpetrator, God, wouldn't we be laughing, you know, but they're not. They're they're the people they, you know, they're friendly. They're all kinds of things. Um, You can't spot them. But but there is one thing it's. It's a bit about bystander stuff as well and calling it out. People do talk about this. Mm. You know, it is kind of done in gangs of friends and it's considered to be hilarious fun. No, it's not fun, but it's really immature fun. So we need to call it out as well. Are they hiding Um, behind the fact that they're drunk, is it? And that alleviates whatever they did to somebody. Just hiding behind that. Oh, it was drink and, you know. Well, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, people excuse anything, but it's also kind of like, hey, like I caught half a dozen people last night. Yeah. You know, there's actually that kind of talk is actually going down as well. Yeah. Um, Or I've come across loads of people who say, yeah, I was I was spiked by my friends. No. That's not my kind of friend. No, no. Just uh, Daniel, in relation to you now, like we go to local gigs and you're heading out to Hellfest tomorrow. So what's the capacity of Hellfest, for example? 120,000. 120,000. Like you've been going there for seven years, so I'm sure you can name off plenty of incidents that you've seen happening in crowds where... Um. yeah, like surprisingly, not as many as as you think in that kind of a situation. I think I've actually come across it a lot more in the like the nightclubs and things yeah. like that. But again, like Dola, like I think they have it at Hellfest. But I know at Bloodstock they have um kind of something similar to yourselves. Um, a presence there called Sophie. You know, it's um a kind of prevention of of any anything like that. Any kind of um discrimination and it's promoting safety at mm. at gigs. And I think, as you said, ha- having that presence really does help. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been a few incidences that I have seen at gigs and it's just, I suppose as a bystander you at a festival, you won't always have your phone on you, but it's gone up to people and been like, are you okay with what's going on there? Just yeah. asking somebody, are you okay? Um, and and things like that. My biggest fear, and I've seen it happen a lot of times, is is the one where the the girl will crowd surf, yeah. and it just opens it up to you can see them coming from all different angles just to fucking have a grope as that girl is being passed through the crowd over to security. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the worst one for me because it's always happening. At, I at, saw um, um I saw actually two. Go in with uh, Richie's point. Um, saw an old clip of if anyone's familiar with the band 1975. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were at might have been BBC Radio One big weekend good few years ago, and he basically says if you're a girl you have permission to cloud crowd surf. If you're a lad if you try to crowd surf or grow up a girl I will deck you. I will come down and deck you. Yeah, he called it out before it happened. Like yeah. yeah. And you see, that's the kind of power that, depending on what we do, we have different kinds of power. So it's like if if you've got a position, like you're an artist, you're a band, and you make that statement, 
Yes. That's huge. Yeah. If you're a venue and you make that statement, that's huge. If you're a promoter and you kind of insist that, you know, with the gigs and the people you promote, you want things to at least begin to look okay, that makes a change. The public can demand a change. It's going to take all of us. But when I hear people like that calling it out, like, isn't that phenomenal to just hear that? A lot of the bands, to be fair, I've seen Architects and Aaron Lewis do it. They do call it out and, you know, they do, you know, go in on the perpetrator or whatever that does it and do get them ejected. Yep. But remember, their their job is to actually play great music. Okay, Mm. they're not meant to be security on the stage, but we're talking about a culture change here, you see. And if they lead out on saying we want everybody to be treated with respect and everybody to have a good time, then that is going to make begin. That's another part of the the change. Yeah. I mean, what we always try to do when we put on Relapse Festival, um, well, there's only been two editions of it so far, but like we did put up notices around the venue saying um, basically because like, you know, like as we were saying, you can't always rely on the venue to handle it for you. But um, we did put up notices around the venue just being like, if anyone's being a creep to you or being inappropriate, like do come and tell a member of staff immediately. And we've had no trouble kicking people out for that before, um, which, you know, realistically should be normal. And again, the venue should be more involved as well, but you do what you can. Yeah, like but I this, suppose like... This is about making it normal, right? Because yeah. it's like what's happening there is you're educating that venue on how to do it. And I've seen people do that and it's just radical. Because the venue actually sees this kind of works. Um, And you're having that conversation with the venues and they'll actually just be converted by how you do stuff. Yeah. Sorry for cutting across you there, Dan. No, no, I'm your grand. I I love the radical make a change. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're grand, but it's it's just, again, like, I think when you make people aware of it, so like, again, at, at the festivals I've been to, they have had the Sophie tent that promotes, you know, safe gigs. And if you're there at the pit space, Kira, you guys putting up, people are like, oh, other people do that. Better watch out and make sure it doesn't happen. And that's, it, it's drawing attention to it. And um, yeah, it's it's really powerful, I suppose, as you said, in preventing it. Mm. Because we we need to hit it on so many different levels. And the fact that it's coming into the licensing laws, I just think that's brilliant. Because if a venue decides not to do what they need to do, they won't get their license or it won't be renewed. Like it's really serious intent behind it. But I I think it's, it's actually coming to the fore as well in relation to especially this year and last year that uh, there's been certain promoters called out over their behavior towards women in relation mm-hmm. to texting them um, harassing them on social media you know a certain member of a band being found out and called out on social media again and that band having to answer for this one individual 
where the band is saying, oh, we never realized that was happening. So as a band, that that stain is there, even though that member would have been kicked out, they, they would have reacted and kicked them out. The mm. power of social media is definitely there for something like that. But again, how much of it is to be believed? Well, you know, I, I think we do need to, we can't just believe everything we hear. I mean, it's, mm. it's as simple as that. Um, but when you get to the point where somebody has actually been convicted yeah. of an offence, or somebody has made a massive payout to avoid that conviction, mm. um, then at that point they've kind of lost our trust. But if you have a, let's just say you have that scenario and you have a band and one of their members has just really, re- is really unacceptable in terms of what he or she has done. And that member of the band is no longer with the band, then that's kind of like a new band. You know, that band has adapted. It is saying, we're not a part of this anymore mm. either. That's good all, to hear. Um, all Time Low are doing the opposite. They're bringing the person that accused them of, think of as a guitarist or bass player of certain things. They're taking her to court over defamation of character. Well, yeah, because we're in the realm of, let's say there are lots of people in the world who have been hurt in various ways by different people. Um, And a lot of things have been kept quiet through silence. Yeah. So victims are being kept silent through fear of being sued. That is really what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will ride its own way. But it's a bullying tactic to silence somebody. Personally, in my experience of over 30 years dealing with sexual violence, people don't make this up. Yeah, I mean, who in their right mind will actually bring something like that on themselves? Yeah, they don't. But it's a rough, tough world out there. But I don't know, you know, would people be too impressed with a band who's kind of suing somebody for defamation or, you know, it's that's what I was thinking. I just thought it was a really weird way of them going about it. They've I don't think they put out a statement. I think the guitarist did, but not the band. Mm. And they just announced they were taking her to court. And now everything about like the person who made the allegation has been wiped off the internet so i don't know what's happening with it i just thought it was a really strange way of them going yeah. about it yeah letty a band that i loved uh decapitated they were over in um america texas and they were touring and um two girls got onto their bus and one of the girls got off the bus and was drunk or again could have been spiked i'm not sure but she was driving erratically and the policeman stopped her and she said, to, oh, he said, you're drunk and stuff like that. And she goes, yes, my friend has been kidnapped by the band and she's now in the, the tour bus. So they then went and got the tour bus and they found the girl in there. And she didn't seem to be complaining. But the fact that her friend said that she was in trouble and kidnapped, there was a case made out of it and the lads were in jail 
for something like two or three months and had to get lawyers and stuff. And again, there's two sides to every story there. And you as a fan, you have to kind of try and figure it out for yourself who to believe like, in in relation to that. There was no charges ultimately pressed against them. Like a band I love. Uh, don't know if you've heard of them. You might have Moose Blood. They were big on the Warp Tour scene. Basically, they were touring America, stayed with a fan. She got unsolicited nude pictures from the lead singer. No charges were ever brought against them, but they're basically on indefinite hiatus. And it also brings up, like, where do you draw the line between separating the artist and the music? Mm. There's plenty of instances right through the years. Though The biggest problem, mm. I think, in Ireland is culturally that women and we'll say marginalized people uh, tend to be viewed as always exaggerating what happened to them. I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, we've had a lot of movements happening in Ireland in recent years as well. Like you've had the um, Misha Father, which is quite a movement within the traditional Irish music section. Um, where people really came together and spoke out about the abuses of just within it because of the whole patronage kind of thing. And it's huge within all the different sectors because it's a very, you know, there's a lot of power broking going on. Um, so we're beginning to see a lot of that broken right open but there's two other things happening that i'd love to kind of yeah. put into the mix here okay. and one is an organization called minding creative minds and what they are is they are a service open to anybody working in any part of the industry where they can provide access to counseling mentorship um, they do a whole load of things to um, just provide that backup to people working in the creative industries because it, it's just been so neglected for so long. Mm. And it's worthwhile to actually check them out because, you know, for anything that any of you are specializing in, They've kind of gathered some amazing people together. And you can get information off them in relation to many things. Absolutely. I've, and I've watched them in action and they, they're really good at it and they're, they're sound. Okay. Something else happening is this development called Safe to Create. And this might even be more relevant, but... It is safe to create is actually, they call it a dignity at work situation. So anybody who's working or employed or on a contract, let's say to do a gig, be a promoter, be an anything, um, all of that has now been formalized where you're meant to be paid properly. You're meant to have a contract for everything. And the big carrot and stick for that is anybody who's getting for funding from the Arts Council, which is a lot of people, yeah. they won't get it unless they've actually signed up to this and are implementing it. 
Oh, very so, good. Mm. So the squeezes are coming, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's no harm. Um, accessing mm. information, though, is always a problem, again, in Ireland in relation to even just reporting sexual assault. Um, just people don't seem to, you'd imagine they would, but they don't seem to have the, I suppose, the confidence, the dealing with it emotionally. So, yeah. like, there's plenty of groups that they can go to Dola. So maybe you can talk about that just briefly, what's available to to young people out there. Yeah, well, young and not so young and mm. everything else. Down here in Cork, you've got the Sexual Violence Centre. Okay. And we cover all of Cork City and County. Mm-hmm. There's a national helpline in Dublin, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, who cover the country for a helpline. But there are services all around the country. Yeah. Um, so for mental health as well, there's... Exactly. But you know what I'm going to say to anybody who this is impacting, this conversation or the things we've been, you know, the hard topics, Yeah. is... Talk to your friends, talk to your family. If you need to reach out to talk to people who are impartial or professional services, do that too. Hmm. But really, this is about the more conversations we have, the more people will feel they're not alone. Um, And we've just had some crazy figures come out um about just over a month ago from the CSO and we've come across give me two seconds I'm going to pull it up here on my Instagram account they've actually come up with figures from people who've been sexually assaulted at gigs and stuff both men and women and it's some huge figure you get to more of an audience through Instagram it's kind of our preferred one. No, I'm not coming up with them, but they're on our Instagram account. Okay. And it, it's something like 30% of males reported on this nationwide survey that they were sexually assaulted at gigs, pubs, or venues. Oh. So it's not just young women, it, though it's huge years, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's actually impacting everyone. I reckon we can stop it. So we all have our favorite venues around Ireland to go to. What can we do as punters to get our venues signed up to Safe Gigs Ireland? What's the best strategy? (laughs) That's really the power of social media. Okay. Message them. Yeah. And say, it's a bit like, Message them and say, what are your policies on for things like sexism, homophobia, racism? Hmm. Chances are they don't have them and they need them. Yeah. And enough people start saying, what do you have? Because, of course, you'll be on their websites and stuff. That demand will create it. Yeah. And at the other side of the house, and you have people like Kira doing promotions. She's showing them how to do it. The industry isn't doing it because it's getting away with not doing it. That has to change. That has to change. So it's like if you look at festivals and for sins, we were up in Slane this weekend just to hit lots and lots of people. 
Okay, cool. I'm still dead after the walk out of, <laughs> out of slain. I don't think I'll ever recover. Yeah. But if you look up something like a festival or a gig and you look up their policies, you're going to actually see they will have an awful lot of stuff written about being green. Mm. Not necessarily Point. all truthful, but they'll have a lot of stuff written about being green. If you look to codes of behavior, you're not going to see a lot written. You're not going to see a lot written about sexual harassment. You know, you're going to see in practice that security are really about making sure a drink doesn't get in. Yeah. You yeah. know, so like we're not there in our thinking and individually and collectively, we can make huge things happen. Yeah. As punters, we have a responsibility. If we're going to a venue, we should demand that there's certain things should be in place, like safe gigs in Ireland. You can provide mm. them with posters. You can you've got campaign material and mm. then they'll get an accreditation as well, maybe on your. Well, it, it's it's not that simple. Yeah, we can give them posters, but posters on their own, they can just be pieces of paper. We're more interested in those pieces of paper mattering. So what we mm. do is we'll consult with them. OK. In that yeah. kind of dialogue to work out how you can do this in your in your place. And that's the power of social media. And that's the power of our, our purchasing power. Excellent stuff. Any more questions, Letty or Danielle or Kira? No, I think uh I think that was that was really informative, Doland. Yeah. You're doing great work. Um and I hope to catch you at a gig sometime soon. Please do. You wouldn't know where you would actually find us. So it was slain this weekend and the weekend before it was Merry Wallopers. So okay. anywhere. You could find us anywhere. But Kira, I'd love you to give us a shout because I'd love to see what you're doing. I was actually only I was actually only thinking there while you were talking, um, because at Relapse Festival we have art stalls as well as um what are they called? Bands. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, it, I was thinking of maybe asking if you guys would like to run a stall alongside the art stalls at the next one. But we definitely love to have a conversation. If we could do that, we'll go there. And I kind of said we go anywhere. We kind of go where we want to go and where where we're meeting the kind of people that we want to to meet. But um, I love seeing what people are doing as well, because I've seen some amazing stuff. Like I've seen some kids out there and boy, could they tell every one of us how to actually run stuff. And it is changing the world one step at a time. So I actually have my savings T-shirt on, always do. Okay. I'm not sure what we'll have on the back. Be the change. change yeah. Yep. Be the change. Okay, cool. I'm going to be purchasing one off you anyway, for sure. Um, well, what we actually do is we give them to our supporters, oh, right? Okay. Oh. And we make sure we're kind of sad, actually. We really like them. They're fair trade and all <laughs> kinds of things. Um, so any of you guys who want them, just send me an email and they'll be in the post to you. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Thank you. So, Letty, what's your next gig? Have you a gig coming up soon? My next gig is on Wednesday. It is Lorna Shore with Ingested at the Academy. Oh, excellent wow. stuff. 
Right. Very good. So it's going to be a good one. I will definitely be making a lot of noise to my favorite venues about getting Safety Gigs Ireland on their radar. Yeah, great stuff. Brilliant. When we were with um, the Merry Wallopers, we were up in the academic with those. They played oh, three nights. I hope they, the guys up there discovered we were kind of harmless. They said we could come back. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What have you up next, Kira, for, for yourself? Are you going to any? Um, like, uh, I'm going to Grass Pop this weekend, so I'm really okay. looking forward to that. Um, there is a gig on the 30th of June I'm hoping to go to in Fibbers. It's one of Eddie Nils' gigs. Um, it's okay. the Nils and the playing. And then Relapse's next gig is on July 13th. It's the Audible Joes. It's one of their final gigs. It was meant to be the restarts which was really exciting, but they were after cancelling um, the Irish leg of their tour, unfortunately. So okay. we just said we'd rework the lineup and keep the date. So mm. I gave a shout out to that, actually, Letty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it, it sounded familiar. <laughs> listen, the show's only out today, so you're OK. <laughs> so, Dola, listen, an absolute honour to have you on. You've educated all of us. It's um, Trojan work you're doing around the scene in, in all types of music. And we definitely demand safe gigs for older, younger and for even new people that are coming on the scene as well. Any other uh, information that you feel like putting in, like those things you talked about, for example, links to those as well. Send them all on to me and it'll all be put at the end of the YouTube video or the podcast as well. So people can find you. Listen, thanks. Thanks a million for the invitation. We just love what we do and love the people that yeah. we get to meet. It's actually going to happen. It's happening. Yeah, there's a movement. There. there is a movement there. And it's just lovely to see it happening, you know. OK, very good. So again, thanks a million, Dola, for coming on. You can find Dola on Safe Gigs Ireland. It's on Instagram. Danielle, safe travels to Hellfest. Thanks, thanks for coming on the show. Letty, enjoy Hello. the gig in Dublin. <laughs> And uh, Kira, best of luck with your uh, adventures in Grass Pop. Thank you so much. <laughs> Most important thing about all of us is we promote the Irish metal scene. Dola, I'm not sure if you know it. Or oh, not. I checked you out. I listened <laughs> to your podcast. Oh, very good. You've got a new fan. Great <laughs> stuff. And uh, hopefully we can all work together to make Ireland a safer place for venues and for the concert corps to enjoy their music and come home with r- really good stories about the band and the people that they met. Thanks, lads. Thank Thanks, you. Richie. Cheers. Cheers, lads. <laughs> <laughs>